Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will take a deep dive look at love and mercy and what they have to do with God, the promise keeper, and how we can cooperate with him to receive promised blessings. I always find it interesting to see how the Bible interprets words a bit deeper than we do. Let's look at a few key words that inform us more about God the promise keeper. The word for mercy in the Bible is elios. It means covenant loyalty, covenant of love, loyalty to God's covenant, mercy, pity, compassion. A covenant is an unbreakable promise that begins with God. And here we see that the unbreakable promise is connected to God's love and compassion. God is love and cannot deny himself. So every decision he's ever made or ever will make is governed by this love covenant. It speaks to God's why he does what he does. God must act with mercy because he has made a covenantal promise that he has to keep. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay as though he were able to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The main promise that the Lord made was that he promised to send a Messiah to save us and bring us back to him. So let's look a little bit into that promise and how God kept it. 18th century English theologian and Oxford professor Harry Perrin Lydon did the research and found 332 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled as the Messiah. Of these, 29 were fulfilled in the last 24 hours of his life. What was Lydon's conclusion? It is only Jesus Christ who has thrown light on life and immorality through the gospel, and because he has done so and has enabled us by his atoning death and intercession to make the most of this discovery, his gospel is, for all who will, a power of God unto salvation. I'm not sure if Professor of Mathematics Peter Stoner was inspired by the work of Henry Lydon or not, But in 1969, he wrote a book called Science Speaks. In his book, Dr. Stoner calculated the probability that any one man could fulfill just eight messianic prophecies to be one chance in 10 to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros after it. Dr. Stoner gave this illustration to help you understand what that mathematical likelihood would look like. If you were to cover the entire state of Texas, 268,820 square miles, with silver dollars up to two feet deep, the total number of silver dollars needed would be 10 to the 17th power. Next, mark one silver dollar so it can be easily identified, put it back, then thoroughly stir all the silver dollars all over the state. Finally, blindfold someone and tell them they can travel anywhere they want in Texas, but they must pick up only one silver dollar. 
the chance of finding that one mark silver dollar in a two-foot-deep pile covering the entire state of Texas would be the same statistical chance of the prophets had for just eight prophecies coming true in any one man to fulfill those prophetic promises. I don't know about you, but I would have trouble finding a marked silver dollar in a two-foot-by-two-foot box with my eyes open. Dr. Stoner submitted his figures for the review to a committee at the American Scientific Affiliation. After examining his figures, they verified that his calculations were dependable and accurate for the scientific material presented, and that just eight of the 332 prophecies about the Messiah Jesus fulfilled. The most interesting thing about those prophetic promises were how specific they were and rare, really hard to fulfill. How about born of a virgin? prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 and fulfilled in Matthew 1:18 being crucified with thieves Isaiah 53:12 and then fulfilled in Mark 15:27 and 28 and resurrected from the dead first mentioned Psalm 16:10 and 11 and again in Psalm 16:49 15 and fulfilled in Mark 16:6 Jesus was the only one who could have fulfilled those promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of the promises of God in Christ are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. Jesus' yes perfectly fulfilled the promises of the Father. Now we need to agree by our choices and life behaviors with our amen. Amen means to agree with God in behavior, not just in philosophy. 1 John 2.25 reminds us, This is the promise which he himself promised us, eternal life. Now let's talk a little bit about the role of love in God's promise keeping. The word agape means God's unconditional love. But there's another word regarding the believer that's important for us to note. It's called agapeo, and this is the word that defines what God has called us to do. Agapeo for the believer means preferring to live through Christ, embracing God's will, choosing his choices, and obeying them. This definition connects us with God's statement that he is love. For the believer, agapeo means to actively do what the Lord prefers with him by his power and direction. And because we know that God's motivation is always based on love, the reflection of our life living out of that kind of love will align ourselves with God's nature and character completely. 1 John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not know or ever did know him, for God is love. He is the originator of love, and it is an enduring attribute of his nature. 1 John 4, 16 and 17 says, 
we have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love for which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. In this union and fellowship with God, love is completed and perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him, because he is, so are we, in this world. We are not meant to do this by ourselves, however. Even the sending of the Holy Spirit to guide us was a promise that Jesus made before he ascended and fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. John 14:15 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him, but you who know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. The Holy Spirit was given to us to live in our hearts in Acts 2 in the upper room of the Pentecost. We at that point became the temple of the living God. This promise was originally given in Leviticus 26.12 and then reminded of its fulfillment in 2 Corinthians 6.16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Well, I think we've covered the God's part of the equation. He made promises that he must keep to be consistent with his word, nature, and character. But it is not a one-way street. There is a part we must play to receive the fulfillment of his promises in our lives. Minimally, we must listen and obey when he gives us the conditions for his promises. I remember something that the Lord told me once, and I will never forget it. He said, you know, there are only a few things that I cannot do. I can't lie. I cannot deny myself, my nature, or character. I cannot break a promise and I cannot do your job for you. God has given us the promise of eternal life, but he needs you to come to him willingly, to submit to his better ways and allow him to guide you to become the best version of yourself so that you can live out the plans he has for you. He has even sent you the Holy Spirit so that he will equip you to be able to do that. So now let's talk about how to find the promises of God and those conditions. Psalm 145.13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures all through the generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. To look for a promise in the Bible, look for absolute words such as will, always, forever, never, as opposed to statements such as sometimes or might kinds of things. There are a lot of absolute words in the Bible if you look for them. I notice that I would have to say the majority of verses contain them, so it's pretty interesting 
when you really look for them, how many you can find. Here's an example in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. So the word never in this verse shows us a promise. God will never leave or forsake you. That's his end of the bargain. Finding promises like this one is actually easier than it, you may think. If you simply put in the search bar promises, comma, God, there are 80 verses that will pop up for you in the NIV. And 81, if you put covenant, comma, God, in the search bar of Bible Gateway or Bible Hub, for example. Here's an example of a verse that popped up using the promise and God search term. Psalm 85, 8 says, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. I hope you can see in this verse that we're already getting clues for some of the conditions that show up near promises of God. Did you catch, but let them not turn to folly? Because if they step away from God's will and peace, then the protection promise no longer exists. The promise is canceled by not having met the condition. There are 1,220 verses addressing God's will in the Bible with the simple search term, God's will. Finding the conditions of those promises are easy when you know to search for things like the words if, when, or then. They show conditional circumstances. They communicate the part we need to play in order to receive the promise for the rest of the verse. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. There were five conditions in this verse. The first was that it was conditional for his people. This was not for unbelievers. This is for if my people, who are called by my name, so that was the first condition. It was letting us know who this verse was talking to. There were four additional conditions in this verse. You needed to humble yourself, pray, seek God's face, and turn from your wicked ways. When you really meditate on Scripture, you realize there is a lot of specific instruction in it connected to promises. Another key word to look for is the word, therefore. It is a word that tells me to look for the context of a promise or a command. Whenever you see the word, therefore, ask God, what's that therefore? Then look one to two verses before that verse for the context to find out what it's referring to. Here's an example. Matthew 19.67 says, so they are no longer two but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In this case, the unity of the two becoming flesh in a marriage context is related to the command that no man should separate a married couple. Oftentimes, conditions are actually commands. And it is important for you to understand a command when you see it in the Bible, because that is a directive from the Lord. A command is directive language. You can tell a directive when it begins the sentence with a verb that's strong and intentional. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Ask, seek, and knock are not only conditions, but they are commands. Each command is followed by the promise. You know that they're a promise because each of those had the word will in the sentence as well. The first doesn't say ask and I'll think about it or seek and you might find something. It is a absolute word connected to it. So that shows us that it's a promise. There were 110 verses that I found when you had the search term God will always. An example is Luke 15, 31. The father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. There are 263 promises connected to the word never. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money, shun greed, be financially ethical, be content with you what you have. For he has said, I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give up or leave you out without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So this verse has a load of provisional promises to say, hey, you never need to love money because you've got me. Let's take a few minutes to talk about how you can pray God's promises over your life. To begin, you want to be able to find relevant verses. And we've already given you some search tips today. You can also find verses just going to your search bar on the computer and saying verses about finances, marriage, raising kids, really anything healing, any, any sort of topic that you would like a verse about to understand how to cooperate with God's promises. So find the verse and then look for the promise words, as we've talked about already, and help pull out, it's almost like sentence diagramming, help pull out what the conditions are that you can read about in the Bible. And then what you want to do is remind God who he is and what he promised in this verse. So you would pray, and you would confess and repent any anxiety or unbelief that you have felt contrary to the promise or condition, and then you would speak out loud in agreement with God's plan related to that verse. So you would take the verse, and you would turn it into a prayer, and you would speak it out loud 
putting your name, personalizing your name in the verse. Make sure that whatever the condition is, you obey that instruction and declare out loud your statement of agreement going forward with the promise. Thank God, because that's important. Being grateful, even in challenging circumstances, is very important. And then praise God and thank him in Jesus' name. So that's the basic prayer formula for for this kind of thing. Let's talk this through with an example, a life example, and we'll walk you through a verse and walk you all the way to the prayer. So imagine that you've just lost your job quite unexpectedly and you are being riddled with anxiety about the bills. You want peace in your heart and you research, put in the the keyword, finding peace. And then that leads you to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The promise in this verse is that the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit, which means we can't have it without God. Now, the Lord would never command us to not be anxious if it was impossible. And he actually gives us the instructions of how to do that in these verses, basically telling you to surrender to him, pouring your heart out, Lay at his feet, and he'll give you peace. So the condition is to not be anxious. You must give the feelings to God by prayer and petition and by thanking him for the challenge. Thanking God for your troubles is one of these conditions, and surrendering them is another. So when you see God as bigger than your issue, you can surrender it. If you see the issue bigger than God, then it will be extremely hard for you to have peace, and it's really difficult to understand why you should thank him for that circumstance. But these were important conditions. The promise is connected to understanding things from God's perspective and not yours. So you must seek his perspective to be able to surrender to find this peace. So let's see what this looks like in a prayer. Lord, You are my Prince of Peace. You know that I've lost my job, and you have commanded me to not be anxious. You promise that you will give me peace in this situation. I thank you for this turn of events because I trust that you are guarding my heart against fear, and you will bless me with your peace in this circumstance. I surrender the situation to you. I trust you to guide me. And show me what you want me to do today to receive your peace in the situation. Let the peace that transcends all understanding wash over me. And I look forward to your guidance, my God. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. That may look very different than the way you pray. But I'm telling you, praying like that will give you peace. Because when you remind God who he is you remind yourself who he is. 
and you remind yourself who you are in him. And that's very important and powerful. What did Jesus have to say about this topic? Jesus said, the word is full of specific direction if you look for it and ask me to show it to you. People will let you down, but I never will. But don't miss that you have a part to play related to promises in the Bible. When you pray for healing or direction, for example, remember to ask me, what is my role, God? What part do I need to play? What is required? Remember that we are partners in the fulfillment of every promise. My word will never return to me void. This reminded me of a wonderful verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it produce and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose for which I sent it. The Lord continued, I promise to save, restore, heal, direct, provide, comfort, and so much more. But I need you to cooperate to receive these promised blessings. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. For this encounter, you're going to have a little bit of homework to do before jumping into your special place and having a conversation with Jesus about it. You're going to choose an issue relevant to you, and you're going to practice Bible researching for a verse, looking for conditions, looking for promises, And you're going to spend a little bit of time meditating on that verse with Jesus. Then go into your special place. And after spending a few times playing with the Lord, ask him to tell you or show you something to help you fully understand any and all conditions that are required for him to fulfill the promise. And have a good long discussion with the Lord about what he would specifically like to see you do in order to pull down miracles from heaven. So remember to do your homework first and then jump in and have that conversation with the Lord or adventure if that's how he wants to show you and take all the time you need, record it all in your journal. 
I hope we accomplished a few things today. One, that you would understand the connection between love and mercy and all of the promises of God, and also that you understand how easy it is to find the promises and the conditions in the Bible and your role as a partner with God to pull them down from heaven. This one may take some time to practice and incubate, but I hope you've learned something about how to find information in the Word of God and connect it back with God directly and allow Jesus himself to help you understand the promises in the Word of God. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.